What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad where we talk about the post-jazz game and all things sports-related. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad. Another episode of After the Game. And the Jazz continue their winning ways tonight with a 119-113 victory over the Sacramento Kings back at home after a quick two-game road trip. And then we're out on the road again for the rest of the week. Spencer, what are your thoughts on this game as the Jazz win their sixth out of seven for the season? So we won. I, I guess that's kind of the biggest takeaway is we won. It was very close the whole game. Uh, probably a little bit too close for what for what we like, but we won mainly because of Mitchell and Conley. That's what I kind of felt. What do you think? No doubt about it. Both of them uh, scoring over 30 points. Conley with 30 right on the nose and Mitchell with 36. That's 66 of the Jazz's yep. 119 points, over 50% coming from those two players. Donovan shooting 14 of 30 from the field and Conley 11 from 19. You can say Donovan had the most points, but Conley's points were bigger during the night. He had key shots at key moments just to keep the Kings at, at arm's length for the most part while he was in the game. Yeah, so he was 11 for 19 shooting. Mitchell was 14 for 30. Conley hit six threes, though, which was big. He's not really too much of a three-point shooter. He's more of just an organizer when he rings the ball up and, and the pace setter, but he still was able to make his impact through, through points, I thought. Uh, interesting fact that I saw, Mitchell's 32 of Mitchell's, or only four points of Mitchell's 36 points came from the free throw line. He only had four free throw attempts. So usually when you see someone putting up 30 points, people like Harden, people like Durant, people like Giannis, they go to the line 15 times and they get 15 points out of it. So Mitchell kind of had a superstar game, at least I thought. Did you think Mitchell took control of this game and was the superstar we want him to be when closing out games? Well, he walked off or ran off the court with a little bit of a strain, sprained ankle as the half ended, the first half. And there was a little bit of question on what type of Donovan would we get back right. in the second half. And he immediately made a statement in the third quarter and really took the game over for a, a little spurt there. The Jazz never truly distanced themselves from the Kings, but because of Mitchell's play, they were able to hang in there. The interesting thing, the Jazz went up seven or nine with about seven or eight minutes to go in the game. Conley goes out, and in a three-minute session, the Jazz go down by one. So again, I go back to the word impact, and the impact that Conley had on the game, he was just right place, right time, right shot. And you, and you, and you say he's not, a, not the ultimate three-point shooter, but he really is a great three-point shooter for this season. Here we are, our third season with Mike Conley, and you're seeing, you saw an all-star last year, you're seeing the continuation of a vet and an all-star this year. I think it's a good time to, because I totally agree with what you're saying with Mitchell coming out and kind of being a different uh, ambition coming back from the second half or coming back from the first half. Um, maybe that was a little bit of Quinn Snyder kind of talking to the team, in the locker room. I was shocked at the bench performance this game though. And maybe you could kind of talk to me a little bit about that, what you thought, but it looked like the, I don't know what the statistic is exactly, but it looked like the Sacramento at least had double the points from the bench as our bench did. 
or even tripled. They looked like they had about 50 points from the bench and we only had like 19 or 20. So, so why, what what was the difference? Yes. Aside from Hassan Whiteside's nine points and 12 rebounds in 15 minutes, another serviceable night uh, by uh, Hassan Whiteside being the backup center. Um, the, those, the, the bench shot one, two, three, six, seven. They made seven shots out of seven out of 29 shots. So not a great shooting night for the bench. Butler came in and played his three minutes, which he's been playing, I think, at least over the last game or two or three, and um, just hasn't seemed right. He's striving to get there, and I'm glad Quinn keeps putting him out on the floor. But Clarkson struggled again. Yep. One for 13 from the field, 0 for 11 from three-point. I'd have to go back in the statistics, but at one point in time listening to the game, Bowler Jack indicated that he was 0 for 16 in a streak. And I have to think that it's even more than that, which is incredible. Yeah. And that's kind of, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe he just has like a mental, mental battle. He has to kind of get over and, and, and start seeing the ball go into the hoop to kind of get his rhythm back. I mean, he had a couple of turnovers, didn't really have a, didn't really have an impact too much on the game when he was in with only two points. Ingles didn't really have that crazy of a night. He only had three points. Bogdanovich, I think, played what we would call an average Bogdanovich night, right? He had 20 points and three rebounds. Maybe he could do a little bit better, but hit some crucial threes as the as Sacramento was starting to heat up, and that's kind of what, what we want to see. Gobert had a double-double again, so he's back to his double-double ways. 20 rebounds and four blocks. It's interesting. I, I, I want to see the map of where most of Sacramento's points came from because the go bear effect is real, but, it, but their athleticism is pretty, pretty good with them getting to the rim. So what'd you see from Sacramento's office and offense and why, why was Sacramento keeping this game so close in your mind? Well, it's hustle. Uh, we mentioned it during, during the game, we exchanged a few messages and, the comment was they're just out hustling us and your comment back was, well, that's what they have to give. And that's truly what they do in a game. You know, you watch um, Davion Mitchell come in. He's given us fits this year in the two games that we've played him. It, it, he, he rather he's doing this night in and night out. I have to believe that he is, but when he plays us, he's, he's up in you and he's forcing you to do things you don't want to do. And that kind of mucks up the game a little bit. I mean, between he and Buddy Heal, they had um, 37 points um, between the two of them off the bench, and that's pretty incredible. Now, De'Aaron Fox had somewhat of a quiet game, 13 points and nine assists, um, wherein he, I think, is averaging 18 points a game. One of the things that I often look at, and people know as they listen to this podcast, they're what are called points off turnovers. The Jazz had 16 turnovers tonight, a few more than we'd like them to have. And the Kings had 23 points off those 16 turnovers against our 17 points off of their 11. That's a six point spread. And you've got to be careful there because quite frankly, you know, that if they don't do that, then we win this game, you know, fairly well. One of the stats that's pretty incredible tonight is um, we out rebounded them 59 to 38. Mm. That is just an amazing stat. It just shows you how we really 
are gobbling up rebounds. And again, you mentioned earlier, Rudy with 12 points and 20 rebounds. And let's, let's spend just a quick second and say congratulations to Rudy Gobert for being player of the week and yep. making it, it a serious comment that he is part of the MVP talk. Well-deserved. I think he can continue doing that as well. I also want to point out the Sacramento had seven players in double figures and they only played eight players. So they don't have too much depth, but out of the eight players they played, seven of them were in double digits. So I, I guess it's just each one hustling and trying to get to what they, what they need to do. I was listening to this, to Sacramento's broadcast and their announcers were saying that Fox has been in a slump kind of similar to Clarkson's where he's had a slow start to the season. And that might've shown a little bit tonight. I thought that, uh, Damian Damian Mitchell from off the bench played really well for for Sacramento and and it kind of is hard when our bench isn't performing and then when they have fresh legs that all they do is run it kind of it it, it makes it harder to separate the or put distance between between them scoring wise because they're always just running but overall I, I think the Jazz deserve this win Mitchell took over at the end. I can say it was, could be considered a monster game for him. And I, I'm, I'm impressed with the, with the kind of resilience of the jazz to fight off Sacramento as they kept creeping up on us. Yeah. That's the sign of a champion is a team that stays in it, keeps it close, um, knows how to gauge the flow of the game and then has the moxie to really take the lead and hold on to it in the final minutes. And we've seen the jazz do that a few times this season. They're six and one. You know, when you think about the NBA right now, I think there's three teams that are six and one. Um, not sure what tonight will bring with some of the other games that are out there, but the jazz are right there. And um, you talk about athleticism hustle for Sacramento and fresh legs. They, it's a good point you made. They only went eight deep tonight. I don't know why, they're not playing more guys. I don't know if those guys are hurt or I don't know why Marvin Bagley's not coming into the game. I've got to go research that. Um, that can't last. This team's three and four. And I think they're better than a three and four team. I, I really think the Kings are better than that. And some of that might have to do with coaching. I'm, I'm not in the huddle. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the front office to judge Luke Walton. But at some point in time as an owner, you've got to look at year after year after year in the records. He had a glorious run with the Warriors when they were a 72 win team and he didn't lose for 20 or 25 games when Steve Kerr was out with an illness, but you can't judge Walton's coaching on that. He's been to the Lakers, didn't succeed. And now he's been in Sacramento. So that team's better than three and four. They should be four and three or five and two in my mind. Yeah. Same. They shot pretty much the same with, as we did from the three, they were, 38% shooting 12 of 31. And we were 29%, 14 of 48. The Jazz just can't. I mean, threes are our game, but they can't seem to make them, mainly because Conley took, takes the majority of the threes and he wasn't watching, or not Conley. Clarkson takes the majority of the threes, or a majority of the threes, and, and it wasn't falling for him. But, I mean, it was good to get the win at home. Like I said, it, it feels good to just win after a battle that, that we faced tonight. So overall, I mean, a, a good takeaway, I guess, is just we just got to keep keep taking shots, the right shots, and make making them this time rather than just missing them. And this game easily could have been a lot higher scoring had we had a little bit more 
shots fall in that usually fall. And so true. Uh, the Jordan Clarkson enigma mystery right now truly is that I, I can't figure out why he can't get into a rhythm. Uh, you had indicated that it's almost like before he shoots, he knows he's going to miss. And you're right. You watch his follow through, you watch his setting of his feet. It's almost like, I just got to shoot this and, and, and watch it go in. There's something to that to be able to keep shooting and waiting for that ball to go in and say, yes, I can do it. But he's, he's got to be able maybe to slow it down a little bit, stop trying to create himself and, and just, you know, find it off of a pick and pick and roll or, or out of the corner and, and see if he can get a shot. The jazz are winning. However, you're not seeing Ingles go crazy on the three and you're not seeing Clarkson go crazy on the three and Pascal's not necessarily knocking it down. Um, it's a true team effort as they roll through some of this competition. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how things go. We're on a flight and down to Atlanta, uh, I think for Thursday night, um, is our next game. Yeah. Are you, are you still worried or not worried, but would you still like to see the jazz have more assists? They only had 16 assists tonight and, um, Sacramento 24. And some of that we go back to what, how Mitchell and Clarkson play and how Conley played. I mean, when you're making your shots like Mike Conley, there's, there's not an assist game there. When, when they're taking away the lob to the hoop for Rudy Gobert, he only had four shots, I think, throughout most of the game. And then at the end of the game, he got a few more shots. Sometimes when teams take Rudy away from the rim, it's hard to make the lob. And so you are driving like Mitchell is or like Conley is. Right. Um, 16 assists is better than what they've had in the past. They, but they have to get out of the 30th spot. I think to be a true contender, you have to watch those assists as the season progresses to see if they're assisting better. And what you hear um, Bullard, Jack and Thurl Bailey saying, put him in a blender. They haven't, you haven't seen the ball whipping from side to side. Like it generally does. You've seen some mm. good passing, but not great passing. Fair enough. Kind of segueing into other other happenings around the league. And speaking of assists, Chris Paul has passed Steve Nash for third on the all-time assist list with 10,336 assists. So now Chris Paul is number three, right? Or is he I number- don't know if he's number three. Uh, I don't know where Jason Kidd sits and all of that. Yeah, I think he's number, so he's number three. So tonight he just passed – Chris Paul has passed Steve Nash for third on the all-time assist list, 10,336. That's uh, fantastic. I, I, I wonder where Mark Jackson sits in that list. And, and I don't have the list with me, but that's quite a feat by Chris Paul. Here's what makes Chris Paul even a little bit more special and different than all those guys at the top of the assist list is his longevity and his scoring. Um, I yeah. think we said the other night, or you said the other night on this podcast that something about 20,000 points and 10,000 assists. I can't remember if he's the only one to be there or one of the top ones to be there. Yeah. It looks like they're beating the Pelicans right now. They, what do you think of Phoenix's start so far to this season? Do you think that they have underperformed? Well, they've clearly underperformed. What do you have to say about that? Well, at two and three, and they'll probably get a night, a win tonight against the Pelicans to go three and three. Um, it could be a hangover from the championship. Uh, I'm from going to the NBA finals and not getting there and, and being a little, you know, 
put out. They didn't get there. Uh, they're still a great team. I, I think you're going to watch uh, everything balance itself out over the next, you know, 10 to 15 games. Um, you know, I, I, I don't make too much of it this early in the season because they know how to win and they've got some great players, um, but they'll get a win tonight and even their record. Uh, one of the other games that we're looking at here are the Lakers and the Rockets. The Lakers are losing in LA. It's still early in the middle of the third quarter by 10 to the Rockets, which is, you know, the, the Lakers are, you know, who knows, who knows where their heads are. There's a lot being written about Westbrook and can he carry a team or when LeBron takes a night off or when LeBron's not clicking how do you turn to Westbrook? He'll figure it out, but the Lakers are only four and three. So you got to give credit to the teams at the top, uh, you know, like Chicago, like Miami, like Utah that are out there winning night in and night out. It's showing who are some of the best teams in the league. Right. One of my favorite statistics or kind of fun facts the Bulls are six and one since getting Alex Alex Caruso, and the Lakers are four and three since losing Alex Caruso. So, <laughs> kind of points out who might have been the All Star on the Lakers. Exactly right. A C Alex Caruso. Uh, you know, it takes a team. It takes a team. I know we talk about Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan, you know, had Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and the great centers that 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 Jordan played with it. You know, so Caruso was a piece of a championship team. And when they were in the bubble, he played his role, did his role, and he's doing the same in Chicago. That, yeah. That's a that's a great statement. I, I think, you know, you look at the Bulls and they go out and get DeMar DeRozan and and and, and uh, Lonzo Ball, and they've really put a nice team together. It'll be fun to see how far they can go. It's fun watching t- uh, following players and, and, and their impact once they're traded. I think that's always important. It's interesting too, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this. The Knicks, I believe, are the best three-point shooting team right now in the league. Is that why they are having such such success? Do you think? Well, you're seeing teams. It's a great question. You're seeing teams going back and watching the game shift on the the, the NBA game shift on everybody. What made the Warriors so great. Clearly they had the greatest shooter of all time in Steph Curry and one of the greatest shooters of all time in Clay Thompson. They had Andre Iguodala on that team and Draymond Green was hitting threes. And then Kevin Durant came along and hit his threes. So now coaches and GMs are targeting players that can shoot and hit threes. And we heard tonight before the start of the jazz game that Quinn Snyder says he wants the team to shoot more threes. And they're shooting, yep. I don't know, 44, 45, 48, three points, yeah. a game, three point shots a game. And now Tom Thibodeau is out there saying, all right, we're going to go do the same. And the, the stats are the stats. If, if, if you make two twos and you make one three, you know, you're only behind one and then you make two threes. Now you're up two. So it, the, the three point ball is definitely something that's important. And I think Thibodeau's been around the league long enough as an assistant coach and a head coach to understand what, where the game is headed and what he can do with the team to, to make those threes. Yeah. Kind of moving around the league, uh, Miami beat the Mavericks tonight, 125 to 110, putting them at six and one, right. Or not six. Yeah. Six and one. And an interesting fact, they had four players scoring more than 20 points. Kyle Lowry, Butler, um, Adebayo and Hero all scored more than 20 points. So, wow, four, talk about a team, 
four teammates scoring above 20 points. I think there was a, uh, one of, um, one of Butler's kind of quotes this week. That was funny is he said that Duncan Robinson, his teammate might be one of the dumbest players he played with, but it's still pretty good. So he's like, there's always some dumb players out there, but Duncan Robinson might be the dumbest is what's his quote. But yeah, so the Heat have put together a team similar to their run to the finals two years ago. And the Mavericks get a loss, even though they have one of the greatest players in the league right now. Yeah, Doncic went off for 33 points, but you're right, pointing out the four players for the Heat who scored over 20 points. Kyle Lowry, even though he hasn't won championships, is a winner and a scrapper and a fighter. And what a great addition to Miami um, to be there. And, and Jimmy Butler's always going to play great. And Bam Adebayo is going to play great. And, you know, th- this is a team that I've said this before about others. You can't sleep on this team either. Um, the Miami Heat, we're, you and I have not talked a lot about them, if at all, during these seasons podcast, but they're six and one and they're, they're to be reckoned with. And um, they go in to Dallas and they get a win. And Luca puts up 33, like I said, Dallas is four and three. It's early. I, I guess you take, you take this league in, in games in chunks of 15 in my mind. So we are, we're halfway through the first round of 15 games and let's see how it all shakes out. But Miami is playing really well. Yeah, it's fair to say. I, it's going to be interesting for sure. Definitely some fun basketball. Um, what else is going on, on around well, the- tonight? Tonight, what was interesting is you have the teams, which we've talked about on past episodes that, you know, you can get a win if you play well are playing tonight. The Pelicans against the Suns, the Suns are up five and look like they'll win that with two minutes left. The Rockets had a lead on the Lakers. That's dwindling. They're one in five. Um, the Pistons are one in six. They got throttled tonight by the Bucks. Uh, so you have three teams playing tonight that just, are, are floundering in the league in the Pelicans, the Rockets, and the Pistons. Maybe a little bit of deviation as we talk about players who are in the 75, top 75 for the 75th anniversary team. Um, we've talked about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ray Allen tonight. We can talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo and just who he is. Definitely deserves to be on this list, uh, even though his career isn't as long as some that are uh, on this list, he's played nine seasons in the NBA. He's a um, one-time NBA champion last year, an NBA Finals MVP, a two-time NBA MVP, a five-time NBA All-Star, and a five-time All-NBA player. This is just a, a – they call him the freak for a reason. Um, he's long. He's lanky. He's quick. He can get up. He can dunk. He can play defense. All those things that make the modern-day player great, and he's – striving to be a better three-point shooter and um, has played tremendous defense during the playoffs last year to lead his team to an NBA championship. He was the most improved player, uh, an MVP twice, defensive player of the year, and as mentioned, the finals MVP. So it's going to be fun to watch Giannis after his ninth season play another nine seasons and how far his career can really go. What are your thoughts on Giannis? Giannis is a player that is striving or, or maybe has even reached his full potential, which is kind of uh, remarkable to say, because there's a lot of players in the NBA that are just gifted athletes and kind of ride that throughout their career. Giannis, I mean, he's hit the gym. He wasn't always as big as 
stature as he as he as he is now he's put in the hard work and he's trained to 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 win those awards you just mentioned it wasn't just oh i'm the greek freak and i'm just gifted this body and i'm just gonna get what i what i i'm gonna get these awards just just out of nature i think he we all saw the potential in him and he's actually reaching that potential with being surrounded by so many athletes is kind of a remarkable thing to say and I, I'm excited to see where he ends up, and and he kind of has that drive to keep going. He won it with the with the team that he stayed with for nine seasons. He's he's clearly gifted, but he's also a hard worker, and, and it's starting to pay off. It, I mean, you could argue that maybe he's not the greatest player in the league right now, but that that could change in the, the next couple of years. We had we've had some pretty good debates in the past whether he's more valuable than LeBron or if he's more valuable than Durant. I think, I think it's clear that last season he was the most valuable player um, come playoffs. And that's why he, he got that award. It's hard because there's so many great players in this league, but he's definitely deserved to be in the top 75. He's from another country. He's come over and, and not only has he been gifted a great athletic build, but he's worked hard to achieve what he's, what he's done. Yeah, absolutely. You've said the the word work a few times uh, as you talked about him there. I totally agree. His rookie year, he had six points, four rebounds, and two assists. And then he jumped all the way to 17 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. The next season has just gotten better from there. He's is had he to work of the year? for everything. It, I, it, I do not think he was rookie of the year because he only had six points, four rebounds. And There's like two. some weird statistic, though, where he's like the only player to like win most improved because he won most improved right he was the most improved player award yep it's like he's he's like what he's there's another weird statistic where he's the only player that like has most improved in some other award in the same year i don't know you're you're right and it makes complete sense he also was named the defensive player of the year joining only michael jordan and hakeem olajuwon as the only players in NBA history to win the MVP and defensive player of the year in the same season. I think that might've been in the bubble and um, just a lot of fun. So, you know, our third player out of the 75 that we've highlighted as we go in alphabetical order. um, I think every NBA team would love to have Giannis on their team. Last year, he was surrounded by Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis and, just some good players that coach Boonholzer was able to really mesh a team and put it into a championship caliber team. You think Giannis will get another ring? Uh, It's hard to win a championship. It's just hard to win it. So I'm going to say, no, I don't think he does. I think the talent level that's out there, is is going to make it difficult and you're seeing them play okay this season but they've got injuries i'd hate to give this answer but maybe yes if his full team stays healthy but my answer would be no i think there's too much parity in the league right now he could Um, get traded to uh to some of that other talent you might be thinking of what's that he could get traded and be paired with some other talent out there that you've kind of thought of or there's so many great players out there maybe they form that's what's crazy is so many things could happen. I mean, he's obviously loyal and he's proved to, to value his home, what you could call his hometown in the United States. But 
who knows, he might get traded to play with maybe, I don't know, like Trey Young, or he can end up playing with another great that's coming up in, in his in his age. Yeah, I mean, he signed a, a solid extension a couple of years ago, so he's locked in to Milwaukee. He's very loyal to them, won a championship there. You're right. I mean, you never know near the end of careers what happens. You watched, you know, what Kevin Durant has done and how he's bounced around. But I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think too much about will he win another championship? Will he win a series of championships? Does, does that make him any better than he is now? In my mind, he's he's proven how great he is and it'll just be fun to watch him. So just a few little things as we wrap up here and looking at the standings and where people are and still some surprises that might be out there in the East. Um, we're going into Atlanta on Thursday night. They're four and three bucks, four and four Celtics, two and five. Now we talked about the Celtics last time we were on the podcast and also the Clippers who are two and four. So we're starting to see some things happen that are a little strange uh, in both those teams with the Celtics and the Clippers, as we talked last time, but we'll go, the Jazz will now go on to Thursday night and play uh, in Atlanta where the Hawks are four and three. This will be a good test for the Jazz. Just because of Trey Young, you think that, what, what do you think the Jazz need to do to get that win? They need to continue to play defense and rebound. Uh, you know, what Gobert is doing is sensational and what Whiteside is doing when he comes in for Gobert is sensational. So yeah. I think those, that, that combination of center play, you know, tonight, if you look at it, you combine both of them, they're 21 points and 32 rebounds. Um, we, we all were appreciative of the seasons that Derek favors had with the Utah jazz and what he did for us for such a long time. And, the emotional comeback last year and having him around again because he's so likable. Now you're seeing what Quinn Steiner can do with rotations with two dominant centers. So this offseason pickup of Hassan Whiteside in the first seven games is proving to be magical for the Jazz. Yeah, and 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 I totally agree. I think it does help even Gobert knowing that there's another player coming in that can continue the momentum that Gobert starts the game off with and, and even hold the spot for him. Um, Atlanta is coming off of a back-to-back. When we play them, they play tomorrow against the Nets, which will be a challenge for them. And then they play again right right at home against us. It's going to be interesting to see how well they play. They, got, um, they have, um, obviously, Trey Young, Capella, and Collins, who are all, um, all pretty good shooters and all pretty good um, players. It looked like the last the last time they played was against Washington. And let me count really here. There's seven of their players shot in in double figures or scored double figures. So they're definitely a team that can move the ball. Trey Young's going to take the majority of the shots and have the majority of the points because he's an all star. But we can't forget about each player, especially Capella, with um, going against Rudy and and it'll be interesting because they have some all around scores. I just hope our bench can perform better than they did tonight. And that that'll definitely give us a little bit of an edge. Yeah. I think the odds are in our favor that our bench will, I mean, Clarkson's not going to miss every shot for the remainder of the season. So he's going to go on a roll. Ingles is going to get on a roll. And I think we're going to be okay. You know what I like about the NBA and I've been consistent with this uh, during our 
our podcast this season. It is so fun to watch the NBA. I mean, tonight, um, I was excited to see Darren Fox. What a great athlete. And Buddy Heald and how he shoots threes. You know, Thursday night, we're going to be able to watch Trey Young. He's averaging 22, 23 a game, you know, 12 assists. And these are just great players and great athletes. And I just encourage those who are watching the NBA and those who are listening to this podcast to enjoy each game. Clearly, if you're a Jazz fan, you want to win. You want to get to the playoffs. You want to get to the Western Conference Finals. You want to get an NBA championship. But along the way, enjoy each and every night and these star players are playing. And this will be another one in in Trey Young. And you mentioned Clint Capella and John Collins. And the fun fact there is John Collins was actually born in Ogden, Utah and and, um, Hill Air Force. So it'll be fun to, to see the Hawks and win or lose. I think you're going to see some great basketball, but you're right. The Hawks are coming off of back to back. They got to get to Brooklyn tomorrow night and then get back for the Thursday game against the jazz. So both teams will have been on some planes prior to the game. I know we're wrapping up right now, but I just had one last question. Are you happy with what the jazz now that we're about seven or six games in, are you happy with what the jazz did during the off season? Absolutely. I mean, the white side, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is is just a great pickup. I think Eric Paschal brings excitement uh, into the game and makes a difference. So I enjoy that. And we haven't talked about him at all, but we have a secret weapon sitting yeah. on the bench in Rudy Gay. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch him make his way onto the court and see what he can do in the rotation that we have. I don't know who loses minutes. It probably will be Pascal that'll lose some of these minutes. I don't think you'll see Jared Butler with his three minutes a night. Where will it'll get interesting when Rudy Gay comes back? But am I pleased? Yes. Uh, and yet I I still am holding full evaluation of that until Rudy Gay makes it into the game. So do you miss Niang? And do you think the Jazz could have or should have got somebody else during the? Off season, or are you happy with everyone they got? Um, Niang unfortunately played his way out of the Jazz by having just a, a a challenging playoff series against you know the Clippers. It just didn't work um, for him in those playoffs. Uh, I miss every Jazz man that moves on, yeah. and when you see them in another uniform, you go, "Oh man, I wish they were still with us." I do. I saw Rodney Hood the other night. I thought man, I wish Rodney Hood was still with us or even Grayson Allen, you know, putting up threes and making them the other night against us. Um, but I've never really questioned the Jazz's direction over the last 30 years that I've really honed in on them or 35 years. I, I, they, they, they maintain and, and they move forward. I mean, we're watching, we're watching Alec Burks get paid good money and do well for the Knicks and wish Alec was with us, but there were years that he really struggled. So it, it, it's hard to say, you know, do you miss Niang? Sure. Do you miss Derek Favor? Sure. But I think the Jazz did the absolute right thing in the offseason. Fair enough. Well, we got the win tonight, and I'm sure we'll get a couple more wins coming up, and I can see us having a good season. Is there anything else you you noticed? Uh, no, all good. How about you? I think it was great. Thanks, Dad. All right. Thanks, Spencer. Good night.